In this episode of the Exploring Information Security Podcast, what's happening at DerbyCon? Welcome to the Exploring Information Security Podcast, where you'll learn, explore, and grow your security mindset. I am your host, Timothy D. Block. In this episode, what's happening at DerbyCon? This is another conference, Exploring Information Security Podcast where I sit down with several information security professionals within the industry at a security conference to talk about security. So if this is your first podcast, I would highly recommend not going back to the last one because that's another besides, besides Augusta was another conference special, but go back to how to set up a pineapple or any of the other ones. This one is a little bit longer. I usually go with a shorter format. This one is also marked explicit. So yes, if you have young ears in the car or within hearing distance, this will probably not be the best one to uh, listen to right now. So uh, definitely check that out. But uh, in this one, I had the pleasure to sit down with Ben Miller, Cliff Smith, Paul Kogan, a.k.a. Bubba Sec, Dave Cronister, Bagamojo, uh, Sean Peterson, and Jimmy Bird. And we had a brief sighting of april wright who unfortunately had to dip for a social engineering panel so to talk about women in tech at the at the social engineering village so um but a lot of good stuff here if uh, if you like this format if you don't send me feedback timothy.dblock at gmail.com or you can hit me up on twitter at timothydblock i've had a lot of good feedback for this types of episodes so we will continue with that and i think i've covered everything so i'm just gonna jump right into it See you on the other side. Yeah. Yeah. Is Ben 10 here this year? Yeah. yeah I a took a picture with him around. earlier, dude. He's running around. I have to look he's down. Hard to, well, yeah, he's hard to find. Uh, yeah, yeah I have to look down. But, you know, I, I found him earlier. Got like, a picture with him. Like, my, this, is the, this is the Ben gathering. Okay. Yep. We're good. The Ben Den, if you will. Are you, are you hijacking my podcast? Is that what you're doing? No. Where are you standing? He, yeah, you can fill in for me. Yeah. If I sit down, I'm worried... I'll just fall asleep. I'm gonna, you know. You've not slept? No, I've slept. Just not enough. Just not enough? I can't do this. I'm an energy vampire at a hacker company. <laughs> I can go, I can literally do 60 hours no sleep just off the energy of all the introverted people that hate that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm one of those. The introverts are feeding mm-hmm. your. Stay away from me then. No, that's a it's a superpower I only have at hacker conferences. Like everywhere else, I'm very introverted. By the way, Bubba, you were you missed her. Kind of oh, you did miss that. Oh, I've been I've, I've been keep getting I've been I've been getting uh, resupplied by Sean. Yeah. Good. Sean already gets it. Yeah, I've already I, been I, handing him out. We to went to yeah, we went to pick these up. He's still got like three stacks of them. Right? Yeah, there's but, like those. Each of those is like 150, and it doesn't feel like it. I bought yeah. five thousand. Yeah. Ooh, holy 5, crap! 000. I have big old posters. Renee's like, bring the posters. I'm like, who? I'm not carrying one poster. You want a poster? Put him on a stay. Oh, like a yeah. like a the thing and just walk around. I just like start a, picketing. Patch your <laughs> shit. Patch your <laughs> shit. <laughs> like, what are you protesting? We all agree with you. <laughs> yeah. Can't you Let's protest and just everybody agree? That's a great protest. <laughs> Only when you're talking about stop premature Christmas decoration sales. Oh, uh, yeah. yes. Is there actually protesters on that? You haven't seen it? Yeah, it's uh, a Twitter thing. 
I can't do that. It's fortunate. One of the people that does it sleeps with me. Yeah, no, I know you can't do anything about it. So your male lady is a protester of the Christmas decoration. Yes, she is. Actually, yeah, you probably already have one Christmas tree up in your house. Oh, we had in our old house. Oh, I know. I remember six, wasn't there? there? There's me and two dogs and my wife. Four four creatures. I know. Six Christmas trees. I know. (laughs) We downsized to a house twice, two and a half times the size of our house now, because that's how it works with my wife. And now she's talking about buying about four or five more Christmas trees. And I'm like, why? Yeah, Wait, a, four or five more Christmas there's, trees? There's only one Jesus. One tree per Jesus. I mean, you want to become, you want to become like, you know, I don't know, Buddhist. We could have, we could have a Buddhist tree for every, every fucking yeah. Buddhist. But. No, she needs, she needs to become Hindi, so she can have no. a Christmas tree for every Hindi. I, you know, yeah. yeah, I have said this to them many times. Are you That's married? Are you married? No. Are you going to get married? No. Okay. Good plan. Good, Good plan. plan. My dad, your wife, don't do you. My dad told me, as a married man, you have two choices: you can be right or you can be happy. My ass <laughs> is the happiest <laughs> you will ever fucking meet. You want to get Christmas trees? Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. No. And I've I've seen that action in play for like eight, maybe more than that now. Years of of yeah. No, wow. very happy person. All right, so we are we already started recording. So oh, oh, oh cut that! <laughs> you want me to cut that? Uh, no, 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 cut that if you want. No, no you no. can keep it. Just no, Renee is gonna be like, ah, yes. She knows. It. She keeps scissors <laughs> there to keep me. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> if this podcast devolves to the scissor story, this will be awesome. Oh, life and info sack. Let's 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 get off Dave. Let's do some introductions because I do want people to. Try to remember who's on. You know, I'm Tim DeBlock, so everyone should know me. Uh, let's go with you, with Ben, since he's drinking. Water. All right, so yeah, I know I was taking a drink, so naturally I was the person to get picked next. So I, my name's Ben Miller. I am a really weird geek that has done infosec type things for ten years. Sometimes I got paid for it. And I also help run B sides St. Louis. There you go. I yeah, might as well get a plug in plug, for my conference. Plug you want. <laughs> and leaving us now, actually, because she's packing her stuff up. I invited her on. She's like, I can go do that, and then we need to get started right on time. Is April Wright. Right. She's been on. She was on the Show Me Con one. Um, she's got to go do a panel for uh, Chris Ed Nagy on what? Women and technology. Women in technology. So. And I got asked to do it. I don't know what. So that that topic. Your answer is is more. We need more women. Yeah. Technology. Yeah. Which which means when she leaves the room, we can't talk about that topic. It, don't you find it ironic? In a podcast, the only woman is leaving to all males to go talk about why we need more women in technology. Something Thanks, April. Yeah, do you want to leave us a women in tech tech message before you head out the door? Just throw on the spot there. Yeah. Hey, you're going on a panel. They're going to throw you on the spot. Yeah. So this is practice. Yeah. Um, we need more women in technology. Well done. <laughs> and every person here agrees with that. It's kind of one of those dumb so, things. So right? my, uh, my take on it is that um, uh, I don't think as women we need to try harder. And I don't think that we need to become men. I think we just need to do what we do and do it well. Amen. Well well said. Said. Well well said. Said. Having yep. worked for a woman CEO that's amazing, I 100% agree. All right. So thank you, April, for thank coming you. on the podcast. <laughs> Have a great panel. <laughs> yeah. Fun. We're going to talk about you as soon as you leave. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Please do. Is it recorded? Do you know? Are they planning on recording that? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. 
Cool. I hope so. So check that out on YouTube. Oh yeah. I was gonna say it'll be live cast. <laughs> hey, are they recording the panel at uh, SCW? <laughs> oh, I know unless they tell them not to. Okay. Awesome. Oh, they need to. Yes. Yep, please so as you heard, that's Adrian, who's actually as we speak doing the thing that Adrian keeps does. keeps yeah, everyone that loves infosec and learning. Uh, he is putting together a <clears throat> video. Like he gets them out in like two hours. I love yeah, that Dave was like Dave, Dave Kenny was like. Yeah, uh, they'll be up in the next 24 hours. I'm thinking, did Adrian get drunk? And like, he's upstairs, hey, you know, no. He when, did that yeah. become, wait, when did that become a barrier for his ability to, to <laughs> put out a talk? I, Fair point. Five yeah. tracks, though, I do get diminishing returns. It takes a little bit of time. <laughs> Still, he had those first ones up within hours, like three, four hours. I will never amazing. forget he was doing a NOLACON, and literally the keynote was on YouTube before the second talk was done. Yeah. Yeah, I will never forget it's that. It's kind of crazy. Yeah, it's really it's crazy. crazy. All right, I'm Cliff Smith. I work for Parameter Security, Dave and Renee Chronister. Uh, I'm a programmer turned lawyer turned programmer turned AppSec guy. So while the rest of us can say I'm not a lawyer when we say what to do, he doesn't have Well, he says, I have a soul. I didn't have a soul. I have a soul. <laughs> <laughs> not my soul is blackened, basically. Yes. Pretty much. <laughs> I'm Paul Coggin. I'm a network guy. A lot of uh, friends call me Bubba. What's so funny? Understated. Oh, look at Bubba's head. Uh, my name's Dave Croster. I am um, the number two at Parameter Security beyond my wife. Um, <laughs> I am an old system admin. I've been doing this for about 10 years, and my job these days is to hire really smart people to do this. Speaking of really smart people that Dave has hired, introduce yourself. I'm Sean Peterson. Also he works for Parameter Security. <laughs> he is a man of few words. That was the end of my introduction. If you ever see a cool hacker with a cape on, yeah, that's Sean. Sean, actually, every every day he gets domain admin, he wears a cape at, at work. Does that's he really? A, that's a true and story. he wears a cape almost every day. <laughs> I love it. I love that's it. That's awesome. So, yeah. Hi, I'm Jimmy Bird. I'm the lead developer over at Binary Defense. I work on a product called Vision. So and you've got a great radio voice, by the way. Oh, do I? Yeah. <laughs> You're gonna send us off every day. Yeah. Start doing commentation on all kinds of podcasts of yours. Yeah. Heck yeah. You actually. Well, you've already been, been on. Once. Yeah, I've been on once. You yeah. do you actually kind of sound like like one of the announcers for the uh, war games, the uh, League of Legends worlds. Ooh. You have that same kind of voice. Mm. Maybe yeah. I should try out for it. Sure. <laughs> there you go. So. We are gathered here for DerbyCon, one of the, I, it's the biggest one in the Southeast. It's like, I had someone say, I said it's probably one of the biggest ones. He's like, no, it is the biggest one in the Southeast. It's, no, definitely. I had the biggest one outside of the Vegas conference. I was going to say, too, like, yeah, East Coast, East of. And, and, you know, to be honest, when we talk about hacking cons, I kind of, no offense to anybody from the Las Vegas area, but I think. Traditional hacking cons. This is one of the big. This is the biggest traditional hacking con that's still around. Right. It. Uh, I mean, yeah. That, that's just grown. Come after me. Yeah. Yeah. I know. I know. It. It's just they. They've grown into something else. Right. Yeah. Right. So. Uh, industry has changed. Yeah. yeah. And the intent of those meetings and gatherings out in Vegas has changed. Yeah. So I mean, I, 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 so we are moving to the Marriott next year, and like, are they planning on? 
I look to you because you, <laughs> you work for Dave. <laughs> like, I have no idea. Like, He's got some yeah. inside info. Basically, we're going to the Marriott next year, and uh, it's going to be a bigger space, so we have a lot more to do. I mean, it's going to be hectic, right? Because everyone's kind of got, like, figuring out what they're already doing at the Hyatt, and now everything's going to change. Well, so, and, and like the, the, the lines, like it's just the, the hallways are just too small. Yeah. Like how many? Yeah. Do you know how many people check in? For like even last year's numbers, because I said ten thousand, but I was told that's wrong. It's more like no, thirty thousand. Yeah, yeah, I thought they were like counting thirty five hundred something. Thirty five hundred. So yeah, so, so, like if it's not that, it's close to that. right. And it's yeah. gotten. I mean, and they're keeping it at the same. Even though they've said that moving over to Mary, it's not going to. They're not going to sell more tickets. No, they're going to keep it thirty five hundred. Which means it's it's basically turning into Shmoo, what Shmoocon is, where you have to like. Right. Next year, what two and a half minutes? Yeah, dude. It Less was, than it that. Was, it was I mean, two minutes this year, and that was the whole snafu. Was the standard? We all knew the tradition of okay, you can buy a ticket five minutes before uh-huh. announced time, and usually that's been fine. This year, I signed on at the regular time, and you know, it was oh, I'm going to get my ticket because I'm actually paying attention in the day to sign it. Oh, right, the five minute thing. It was already gone. Right. Like, it was gone before announced so, time. So that that's I mean I kind of struggle with that where it's like it's it's still a like you said the true hacker conference. But like it's also like bursting at the seams, which oh, does yeah. kind of change it itself because it like anyone just can't walk up to it now and come. I mean, people can come to lobby con. I was gonna stuff, say I completely this. disagree. Anybody can show up, and like this week especially, right. if you watch Twitter, I I saw at least twenty tickets for sale. Probably. Well, and that, yeah, yep. people. I saw people, so, people selling them here in the lobby. In the lobby, right? Yes. In the lobby, like I'm still trying to get a ticket. But, hey, you, you know, but here's the thing: is that they understand. Our wonderful friend that's sitting behind us right now is has set up an amazing thing. Adrian has set up an amazing thing. Understanding not everybody can get a ticket, but you can be part of it. Right. Oh, absolutely. And no. that's 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 a huge thing. And you can do live feed, and that's just that's cool. I mean, that <laughs> is really freaking cool. Yeah, I'm trying to. So. There's no other conferences that do that. No. That literally. Oh, this is the content that people pay for. Oh yeah, we're just gonna make that free. Right. Let's just hand that out to everyone because well, it's that useful. Right? right, and that's what I love about it too. Is this like if if the, like I have a list of talks I want to go to, but it's like if I'm talking to someone in the hallway, I'll skip that talk. Exactly. I'll see it online. So and that's that's why I like that and, affordability. And and I'm proud of Dave and everybody. Binary Defense and Trust. It's like as a as a, a con organizer. Man, selling out in two minutes is a horrible problem to have. <laughs> You're not sending out, hey, early bird specials, get your freaking ticket so I can pay the bills. You know? yeah. <laughs> now let's move to point number two. So, yeah. I mean, you know, it, it is what it is. I kind of, I understand, you know, moving to a bigger venue. I there, It sucks getting into con talks, but there is a bit of a charm that I think is going to be missed next year. But it does change. It does have to change, and Marriott's got to have other things too. Yeah. Well, well, every I, every year has changed on how it feels, how packed it is, yeah. who you get to run into. Like it's always a new experience. Right. And doing it over at the Marriott is just going to be oh, this is one different flavor <laughs> note, like a good craft beer, of something like it's beer. I like the alcohol. Oh, it has different flavors, different uh, uh, notes this time. Is, so is, I, I haven't looked at the Marriott. Is, is it just like, do you feel like it's going to have, it's going to take some of that away though? Where it's like everyone's kind of packed together and, and talking to people and it's going to spread people out a little bit more? I haven't been, I don't even know where the Marriott is around it's here. The it's the Skywalk, gross. like really just, close. So that's where I'm staying. I just walked over there. So yeah. tell us about it, Sean. It, it looks a lot, it looks pretty nice. The carpet's nice. Do you feel like you could take a swim or a nap on it? <laughs> <laughs> 
Golden style would be awesome, bro. After, after yes. walking around on hard floors, you know, you know, I'm not, not saying good, that good the, carpet the, to crash on is important. You know, yeah, I stepped out of the I stepped out of the skywalk and I was like, oh, I just want to lay down and take a nap here. For any listeners, next year if you see a guy in a cape laying on the carpet, <laughs> that's Sean Peterson. Yeah, and it's normal. It and it's normal. He may look like he's swimming. Just let him be. <laughs> <laughs> you do you, brother. You do you. That's awesome. I think it'll be good. I, oh, I yeah, think I you agree. guys, you, you guys have done great as a team, um, and and you got everybody should be proud of what they're doing. Yeah, I mean it's really what Adrian and Dave and I mean that's just a lot of work and it's Aaron, amazing. All the staff, all the Aaron does a lot. Don't forget Aaron. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, Aaron yeah. does more than anybody that's else. True. I can Martin. That's right. Yeah. Martin, yeah, Martin. Oh god, but, but it's it's a team. It's yeah. a team effort. I because I, yeah. I look, you know, I work with all those people that end up doing this, and with it, just the heck they have to go through. It's just ridiculous. It's yeah, so and, much it, work. And, so and did they stop doing their normal work <laughs> while it, they were doing this? No, no, they still had to do no, billable hours. They still had to do admin stuff. It's crazy. It's just that, you know, you get like, they'll get an email and be like, oh no, what do we got to deal with today? It's worth coming here whether you get a ticket or not. I don't even, it's not a consideration for me. Do you have a ticket? I have one because I submitted to uh, teach. Okay. But I didn't get to teach, but I still got a ticket. But I would have. Oh, I would have. That's what I needed to do. I would have. I would have. Secrets out. I would have. I would have came anyway. Well, yeah. Right. yeah. I would have came anyway just to hang out. That's where I was. What I do anyway, I just come and hang out in the lobby the whole time. Yeah, literally until two days ago, I did not have a ticket. I did not have a hotel room. I was just like, I'm going, and I'll figure the rest of it out when I get there. I, I was told I had a black badge, <laughs> and I wasn't sure if I did. I love it. And then I saw Dave today, and he goes, "I I promise you, we have one coming for you, but it doesn't it doesn't matter. It takes a while. You to get to you know the the coolest it. thing was is. The first year I came here, it was, God, years ago, and I knew Adrian, and I knew a couple other people, and just coming to cons like these, going to security cons, whether it be B-sides, whether it be whatever, I couldn't go five met, five feet, ten feet without seeing someone else you knew, getting big hugs from people, and it is, I mean, it really is like a family reunion, and that is just so freaking awesome. That's right. a real good feel. Yeah. yeah, this is my vacation every year. I, I put this in as soon as the dates are announced. I'm like, yep, this is when I'm off work because I will go. I need this. Yes. Got to have it. Yep. Yeah, it's, it's great to, because I work in the development field, coming to like an InfoSec community, seeing how they uh, differ is very interesting to me as well. So I like really coming to DerbyCon because it feels similar to other dev conferences. But it's but it's a lot more lot more friendly. I feel like it's definitely a lot more less than the developer conference. Yeah, develop. I mean, it's, we're all introverts, so you know, not right. all of us. But, you know, so but it's it's still Sorry. like a different. It's a different kind of feel with like DerbyCon. It's a lot more a lot more friendly, a lot more open, a lot more happy people. We we have a developer that works for us. And he just sits in the closet. Yeah. <laughs> he has not just, had a comment yet. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's just a lawyer. You know, I, I know when to shut my mouth. <laughs> the lawyer is. Well, that's that's something I'm trying to get into is going to more developer comps because I work in the AppSec field, and that's what I've started comparing is, and I'm, I'm always curious to hear other people's um, experiences in other d uh, developer conferences and like just how it differs from the InfoSec community because I think like. Like you said, there's there's a lot of like happiness and a lot of you know hugs and stuff like that, and 
uh, friendliness <clears throat> around that, and I don't know if I necessarily get that sense from developer conference, but I'm also coming in from like a newer perspective at this point. How long have you yeah. been in now? In what? Infosec. Like five years. Is it really? I, yeah. 2012 is when. I seriously first. thought you had been in longer than that. So yeah, yeah it yeah. It feels like forever, doesn't it? Yeah. yeah. Well, I worked in IT for like 10 years before that, so right. I just didn't know what I, I didn't know I wanted to do security until like the opportunity you know provided itself, and I was like, this is really awesome. I hit the 21 year mark. In in security. In in IT. Old. That 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 so makes you drink feel. <laughs> <laughs> Can drink. Not only can Dave drink, Dave's career can drink. Yeah, yeah I, I've done IT for. It does. I've done IT for 23 years in uh, InfoSec, about a little over 20. You know, so talking about how great conferences are, it, InfoSecs are great conferences, but we're preaching to the choir. Right. right. And that's the big problem. And, you know, this year is like. I'm in two weeks. I'm in January. I spoke at a conference in France, and it was insane. It was absolutely insane. I somehow became the feature speaker. My opening keynote person was the French defense minister. Wow! It was huge. Okay, and all I did was show a Trojan, and you would think I just. And these are people from Europool. These are people. These were cops, and I'm like, this is a Trojan, and they're like, this is amazing. And you know, oh, this is speak, year old it, it, but but see, the thing is, is what I I think you talk about the developer cons and stuff is we have to get out and we have to start mm-hmm. evangelizing right. the security aspect. It's not there. No. Yeah. To it's them, not. it's a solution. Well, so I did apply to one developer conference in Nashville, and like I got rejected. I was like, all right, I guess my <laughs> idea sucked. But then I was like curious, and I went and looked. They have no security talks. They yeah. didn't have that conference had no interest in any security. Let me guess. Most of the talks were about agile, which is the day before was Music City Agile, and then the next set was Music yeah, City yeah, Code. Yeah. So. Hey, let's code without security. Right. Agile. Well, but see, and then there's another one. I just I actually just got the acceptance letter uh, last night for a conference in November that deals with like Node.js and they are more focused on security. So like you can, like I can apply out there but unless the developers are willing to accept that and want that in their conference, you know, I can't. Codemash is another good one that I think has its own security track and it's probably, you could consider it like a derby con. I don't know. Yeah, How many people go there? It's about about similar size, about like 4,000, I think now. And so it's it's um, held in like uh, Sandusky, the Kalahari. But it's like it's always in winter, so it's always like a real bad. <laughs> <laughs> so everyone's like, Let's really, play like a all inside. About but bad yeah, weather. they they started getting um, a security track maybe five years ago. I think Bill Semph uh, mm-hmm. was the one who really championed that. And so talking, so, or, sorry. Yeah, so now they actually have like lots of talks, and they actually and those rooms are almost always packed now, which is incredible. That's what I've seen. We had an open source conference, and they wanted us to help because uh, I was running Colsec at the time wanted us to help get speakers for a security track on open source that they wanted. And um, we, we, so we got the track set up and it was wall to wall people in there the entire time. So the desire for people to get out there and, and learn security in, in other fields, there's a strong desire there. There is, people are really, really interested. I actually went to a conference called, uh, it's the Missouri Health Association conference a couple of years ago. And this is, this is doctors, this is people that run hospitals, this is, uh, the room that I was talking to was actually the facility maintainers. This was right after the target breach. 
These are the guys who are dealing with the HVAC vendors that caused the problem with the target breach. I'm like, oh, hey, guys, we have a really topical conversation to talk about. Let's not get your hospital breached because your right. air conditioning vendor has an admin-admin login to your entire network. And yeah, well, part of it too thing. was is that their entire network is flat. So yeah, that was, but those weren't the guys that tell that story too, right? Right. Those guys, the no, story yeah. that we talked about and ladies was, okay, you don't think of yourself as a tech person, but you touch a computer, you're a tech person, whether you like it or not. And so we were talking about them as the the possible victims and the people that can defend right. themselves. Right. And I think there's a lot more need for that. And it's easy to go into certain verticals to do it, like healthcare, banking. They kind of get it for certain versions, certain levels of get it. But then there's so many other, like, I, you know, I know some friends of ours that do uh, hackers and movies at Gen Con, the gaming mm -hmm. conference. And there's a conference for everything. And security touches everything. So it would be nice to see more people go, I'm going to go to this conference because I love this other thing, like healthcare or gaming or furries, whatever. Talk about from the security community? From the security community. Yeah. So that we're not, yes, I brought up fury, furries, sorry. Uh, what, so are you talking about the tank or the little fuzzy things? Or? Uh, we, 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 we do not need to go down. Oh, no, no. This okay. is a family podcast. Yeah. No, uh, it's not. Through that. This is more to the explicit. So. Yeah, oh, okay. Actually, as you say, no, I know it's not because I looked at that. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> Del did my research before I said, yes, I would come on the Tim's podcast. You've had April on then before. That's why it's explicit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That lady, man, she just cusses like a sailor. <laughs> yeah. so, so the end point is what I'm saying is, yeah, there's a lot of... There's there's a lot of other groups of people that are interested in learning security right. that if we don't talk to them like they're morons because they don't know security, right. there's a lot of impact that we had. Yep. We've had we have we have a two decade old sin that we created and and again I think that uh, Paul and I are probably the oldest ones that can remember this. Back in the nineties it was you let us deal with IT, give us the budget and we'll make sure and everything was a solution. Now, what we've realized, that's not the case. No. But unfortunately, you still have CEOs. You still have people that think that's the case. How much money can I throw at it? And it's a sin. We, we all create it. All of us <laughs> did. And um, it, it's a hard lesson. I think people are learning that, you know, it, it doesn't work that way. Yeah. And, and, you know, like Ben said, it's, it's everybody. I mean, to me, a security department should just be validating securities happening. Every employee in IT and every employee should be a security person. Yep. No, and I, I, that's where I see that we talk about this skills, this talent shortage and all this. And I, I, I feel like there is some of that, but it's also pushing it to people out there actually doing the job. <clears throat> and that's what I think eventually it'll morph into is that we'll, we'll, people will just have more of a security conscious, security focus when, when they're picking up the phone or yep. um, clicking on a link or, you know, it, you know. I just see it pushed out to that area because I don't think all the problems that we have and all the attack vectors, we can't do it by ourselves. Oh, dear God. Yeah. Do you see a fatigue? I, I, what I mean is, is there's so many hits, there's so many things. We started in 2007, no one really cared about security. 2013, phones are ringing off the hook. Now people are just, I think, hear about it so much, they're burned out. They don't want to talk about it. And that's what really scares me. 
is people are like, you know what? Nothing we can do, Tech. Can't, we can actually protect a us. Resignation. So why, uh, why even I can't deal even, with Yeah, why bother? Why I can't spend the money? I got Equifax the has already been breached. Yeah. We're all screwed. Why bother? I just burn it all down. I definitely see a move towards people just buying insurance and saying that's good enough. Yeah. Yeah. But they still have to meet a certain standard, too. Like with the well, that's only, company. yeah, you can buy the insurance without meeting any standards. You just won't get paid back. Well, and that's, the other, that's the other thing. <laughs> you spend a ton of money yes. doing it. Yes. We, we, we have partners. We have partners in the insurance industry, and they say they will sit there. And, and the insurance companies do not know no. how to deal with this. They, they do not understand. They are wrapping their heads around it to the point of there may not be. Mm-hmm. quote cyber liability insurance in the future it yeah. just may go away so then what happens then well and right. what I've seen too is uh, you know Jeremy Grossheim and uh, White Hat Security has done a really good job of saying alright guys let's uh, you know maybe maybe the honest is on the security vendor to guarantee their stuff and that's had mixed results right because wow. I don't want to take credit for I don't want to guarantee you're <clears> not going to get hacked because you use my program because I wrote my program. I, I know there's smarter people than me. <laughs> They're going to find a way around it. I don't want to guarantee crap. You're, you're only, I, I, I want to hear from Cliff because he's looking at He's giving, he's yeah. fish eye and Ben right now. Well, well, I'm agreeing with you. Yeah, I mean, that's just a, that oh, concept is fundamentally crap. <laughs> He's gonna go into a lawyer esque. Uh, I was waiting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We got the lawyer there in the room. No, I mean, there's there's some really weird stuff happening in the law. I mean, you can pick out individual cases that point in different directions, but there are there are inklings towards people uh, towards various courts and various actors in the legal system looking at general torts for security malpractice. That would be an absolute catastrophe. If you could up and sue somebody because they breached a general duty of infosec diligence, the whole world would just collapse. Do, and I mean, do we have a list of general duties well, of infosec malpractice? Wait, 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 that's, that's, a, that's a really good. That's a really like, good point. What does that mean? That's a really good point. Because you tie back to your solution conversation. Because back when I was doing consulting before before the current job, I literally would go into utility companies, SCADA, you know, that's the hot buzzword, firewalls put in backwards, no joke. What? A firewall put in by a vendor from a from a manufacturer firewall literally put in backwards with holes pushed punched out through it so that the thing would work somehow. Uh, and then if the firewall was put in correctly, the ACLs would be any any straight into SCADA, straight into SCADA. I'm talking about VNC on your Android phone, straight into SCADA. With a dash VNC dashboard of a whole uh, you know control system that a vendor with all kinds of security marketing That's on their website security. and uh, <laughs> you, you can't make this stuff up. It, it, it's out there and it's tied into your malpractice. If that happens, we, it's going to be a mushroom cloud. We, we took a we did a, a power company a, a mid sized city and it was all their gas, electricity, water, all using the same SCADA control and. I took down the network because I did a port scan because they had everybody was connected to five or six VNC sessions over on the network, and then we found uh, we found Trojans on the SCADA controllers on both of them, and they're just like it's a hermetically sealed network. We're fine. No, it's no, not. It's not. <laughs> I'm not sitting in your city. Well, that's an you exception. I'm an auditor. Water. I'm an auditor. I want to see your exceptions. Two hundred seventy-eight exceptions. You know? <laughs> but getting back to what Cliff said, you know, I, I know where he's coming from with that. We'll we'll deal some expert witness stuff and 
you see, you know, the the law in America it del deals with precedent, right? A precedent is set. The problem is, is you're talking Chinese to some of these lawyers, and they will make a decision that down the road just sounds absolutely incredible. There's a case we're working on right now. We just look at it and go, this is absolutely insane. It's so insane, it's hard to argue. Right. That's the problem. And, and, and like Cliff was saying, he keeps an eye on this. It's not just a one-off. These no. things are happening all the time, and it could get to that point, like Ben was saying, of, you know, we have a vendor that now has this due diligence. Well, what happens when the employee or the, the IT manager decides, well, you know what, I got to get this stuff working. Change mod 777. Good to go. I'm kind of wondering if we're going to start seeing uh, this happening. And people have been talking about this in the dev community, and I'm wondering if we're going to see this just happen across all ITs. More standardization, like having, like you got to use these languages, you got to use these type of networking protocols, you got to do this, like at like a government level, standardized. Well, you know what's fun about standardization is you go to create that new standard that covers all of that. And right. now, and then three more happen after that because of a couple changes, a little bit of branching, and it's like we have a standard. Nobody uses it. Everybody has those exceptions to it instead of actually calling the standard. And you just keep circling the drain yep. of creating more and more work and nothing. So I've recently got into a little bit of the DevOps kind of mentality of just make it easier, make it faster, fail fast. And uh, the idea of security just needs to pull problems out of the system so the system can work. And that's been working really well with a lot of my clients, uh, a lot of my internal stuff of, okay, I'm not putting a roadblock in place. I just wanna know what the hell you wanna do and make it not cause more problems than it would have if I hadn't had a little bit of input. Like just, can we use a cert here please? Can we can we update this server on a regular basis? Have you know redundancies so we can update one, keep the service up. You know, it's it's. Uh, I hope that more of that happens to where security isn't the gatekeeper, that isn't the uh, the problem causer, the office of no. Uh, we're actually the ones that are just coming in and saying, okay, yes, you're going to do this. Let's make sure we're doing it with the minimal amount of risk. We cannot eliminate risk. So we go with, all right, this is the minimum level. And then we watch for when, oh, we're going to hit that minimum level of risk. But the bad thing's going to happen. Am I ready to deal with it? Instead of just trying to prevent all of the problems. And, and again, I think we talk around in circles. But, you know, Sean, you're, 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 my, you're my golden child. You're my little, <laughs> little guy that keeps attacking stuff. Um, he wears his cape daily. We talked about the cape, right? Yeah, all of a sudden, it just sounded real weird. <laughs> it's like a sign to all the but that's okay. But, but okay, yeah, yeah, it's 2017. Sean, what is the two ways you get into almost every single network you touch? People who have crappy passwords. Yeah. Um, and people who haven't patched your stuff. It's explicit. You can say shit. Oh, okay. Yeah. Patch your shit. <laughs> and configure your there's, shit. There's like 20 so. stickers on the table right now at the podcast that yeah. say patch your shit. Well, well, I mean, a lot of our parameter security. A lot of the times people just haven't configured their network correctly. And they've also uh, have really crappy password policy. And then they also have really crappy patching uh, policy. So, so basics. 
So, yes. so yeah, I mean, simple stuff that they just... They say, you want to frustrate a pen tester, turn off LLM and R. Yes. Yeah. Responder right. so, doesn't work anymore. Fuck, I gotta actually work. I mean, what, <laughs> what Jimmy was saying, I mean, those standards sound great. And, and they really do. In theory, but we're not even there. We're not even there. Say how long? How long is CIS uh, top one? Know your, you know, have an inventory of your hardware. Like that's been the rule as long as I can remember. (laughs) And every client I talk to, I'm like, how many endpoints do you have? They're like, a hundred. Something like thousand. That. I mean, honestly, we all quote Sun Tzu, right? I no, mean, I I'm listening to that. like Napoleon, <laughs> and and they have the same basics in war that we have, and we're going back a thousand years. And you just sit there and you go, it can be disheartening because you go bad passwords. I'm pretty sure I'm going to die because when I'm 90 years old, someone with a really crappy password, there'll be a young whippersnapper. Packs into it and gives me the wrong amount of morphine. I'll die happy. <laughs> it's it will never go away. I will die from bad pass. Why have asked them to hack well, into it? I mean, the, reason, the reason why we will all at this table have jobs in 50 years, we're all alive in 50 years, is that the problem of securing an organization is no less complicated than the problem of how do we do good engineering? How do we make money? It's right. such a broad and fundamental question. And it ranges from the very nitty-gritty all the way up to the very broad, big-picture questions about how the organization runs. And so for that reason, the problem of standardizing it is intractable, I think. There's no way to standardize it on the level that you can standardize a lot of other things in this world. I I mean, you you say, like, making money, all that. uh, Communism, right? Let's standardize it. Did not work. There's always going to be someone with a better mousetrap. And uh, I had an interview years ago with a a magazine, and, and the guy's like... The guy's like, well, you know, how you security people, and I'm always like, why do you guys use you? (laughs) What do you mean you? you? What do you mean Um, you? But you know, you you guys, you guys always talk about, you you know, how do you deal with cloud and and secure stuff? Well, don't put it on there if you don't have a risk. Well, you can't do that. You can't. I was, I've been in IT for years, and we didn't. I mean, you know, but again, that's always going to be the human nature of it, and and I think Cliff's right. We're we're going to. People are going to be discussing this. They've been discussing it for thousands of years in different formats. They're going to still always discuss it. Yeah, that's why I don't think passwords are going away at all. Like those have been around for years. No, we're all going to use our Retina yeah. stuff off the uh, no. the Mace. And really, passwords shouldn't. Passwords can be really powerful things if people learn how to use them. Correctly. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And see, that's where you're depending on people to do something. You know, if you depend on people to do good or to learn. Yeah, you're setting yourself up for failure. Right. But it's, it's that's the why they're asking path of least resistance, right? Right. What's yeah. going to be the path of least resistance? Remembering one password for all my accounts. Yeah, and, and making it yeah. password. But, but we're all right. infosec people here, okay? And okay, not you, Ben. I was going to say no. I kind of that. <laughs> no, no. But in all honesty, we have to have a little bit of empathy because I can guarantee all of us, if we looked at every single account we all own, I am pretty sure none of us can say we have never reused a password anywhere. Oh, absolutely. And so then the question is, is from a technology standpoint, how do we make it easier for the end users to follow those standards? Mm-hmm. And I, I think that's one of the problems we may be running into. Well, so and there's been some really good work in that regard, too. Like the whole Duo Beyond Corp ecosphere makes so many things so much easier, but it just hasn't gained, well, it's gained some traction, obviously, they're doing really well, but it hasn't 
It, does, it doesn't penetrate it to the point of like one TV in every household. Say that again. So what is it? Duo Beyond Core. I hadn't heard of this. So it's, it's like identity management. I don't care what device you're on. I don't care what network you're on. You can access certain things according to policy. It's way simple to set up. Well, no, okay. It's way simple for somebody who reads a lot of documentation and follows a lot of best practices to set up. Uh, and it gets away from the whole, the onus is on the user to know what the hell it is they need to do. So is this just single sign-on then? Oh, no, way deeper than single sign-on. So it's, but what I'm saying, it's there's TFU, ways right? to fix it. Say what? TFU is the acronym? No, Duo Beyond Corp is the name I know. No, I know no, it's technology. I, yeah, I can't go that deep. I know the sales spiel more than I know the yeah, This is something I'm going to have to go like. Sorry, like, yeah. No, sorry. I, no, I got to go research. I'm in, I'm in, I'm in MSP sales guy land again because <laughs> I haven't had enough alcohol at the DerbyCon yet. There is a tool out there that I, I haven't used it myself, but it's called Titus. Because every iPhone user has a very good hardware security module in their pocket. And so Titus actually uses the unpublished crypto API in the IO the iPhone Secure Enclave oh, to implement. Software. Yeah, well, <laughs> it is now. They reverse engineered it, but a, a, a passwordless authentication system with a private key that's not stored anywhere in RAM that's easy to read with normal tools. So there are some tools out there that can well, move the, in that direction. It's not an open standard, of course. But, but Cliff, go. Let's go back to that. Uh, you know, legally, uh, Fifth Amendment. Yeah. Uh, so let's let's go. Third, this is the problem with these cons. You don't sleep enough. <laughs> and you this know, is why I want to get the podcast in now. But you know, let's talk about something like that. You know, Duo. You have a fob, right? I have Google Authenticator on here. Yeah. You have your phone. Um, you know, the strength of I think of a password from a legal standpoint, and I think Cliff would have a great response to this is. You know what? They can put me in the jail, but they cannot, without my permission, take that password. Right. Yet. <laughs> I'm just saying, hey, you know, hat. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But I didn't practice criminal law, so I'm going to hesitate to pass on that definitively. There, <laughs> that question is a whole lot more complicated than it ought to be, unfortunately. Yeah. As a question of whether the information you're giving is testimonial or not, or does it... Does it encompass, does it encapsulate an additional admission about, for example, ownership of the phone? In some cases, I think they can get away with making you divulge a password, but... Well, yeah, if you want out of the prison cell, you're detained. I I, I can stay in prison. Yeah. Well, that's all... At least have a choice. No, but but, but let's let's face it. Let's face it. You, You get my fingerprint here, and people have shown this. You get my fingerprint, you will be able to recreate it and open it up. Doesn't Some even like have to be your fingerprint anymore. Is what I was reading. Yeah. It could be you know, there's a generic one that you du- can use. Duo is great, but Duo is really only effective with two-factor authentication. Agreed. Um, you know, I have my Bitcoin wallet, hardware Bitcoin wallet, does the same thing. The it's, phones do the same thing. <laughs> they, they help, but I think beyond that, those are just tools. Yes. You know, this comes down to a Jimmy, Tim, and Cliff developing. You know, not single sign-on, not cloud, but just how do we bake in security? And this is where that whole rift comes back to. If the developers don't understand security, if the developers don't understand how to make it easier for the end user, we end up with 10,000 passwords, two or three authenticators on our phone, and, you know, we have to have 15 uh, uh, unique fingerprints going, well, we only have 10. So, you know. 
Yeah. Taking our shoe off. Password requirements. <laughs> password requirements on some of these apps is just ridiculous. I can't go over 16 characters. What? That's or 14? Yeah, is it worse? Say, yeah, or yeah. 10? Even I think I sell 10 one. Well, yeah, and and one of those is one of the big ecosystems that you can't go over 16. You can't have a, a space in it. And I'm just like, God, come <laughs> well, on. You know, they do it. They do it. So let's not have SQL injection. But let's figure right. out some other ways of yeah. fixing well, that. A lot of these, a lot of these sites that have that. Also, I know they don't have a dedicated security team. We're no. talking like utility companies. Yeah. I feel like airlines should. But airlines, I think, have some pretty crappy stuff around that. If, State you, work, government if websites. you work for an airline, we're not talking about you. Yes, we are. Or uh, a utility. I don't know. I mean, yeah. yeah. I mean, I or just, a hospital because hospitals hotels too. too. Hotels, I think hotels yeah. are so sometimes. I mean, and there are good ones out there. I'm not saying there's not, but I feel like those are the areas where like it's you definitely see like this could be much better. Banks, banks. Yeah. Although my bank is really really good. I've I've had two factor authentication on my bank for years. I'm a, I used to work for a former bank. Well, I guess they're still <laughs> a former bank. Former bank. <laughs> say, are they are technically in business? Did you just announce something that uh, Mr. Thompson's going to have a problem with? I, my, my bank, which we won't mention, um, first day I, I logged in, I NT40 network in 2003. They're way past this, so I think we're good. Um, <laughs> I changed the administrator password and locked oh, out every single user in my, in my network. Oh, and and that was very eye-opening. Of course, that was also the same bank where the bank president or vice president chased a robber outside with his own shotgun he had in his uh, desk. Hey, we didn't get robbed. <laughs> <laughs> security, security, bubble, bubble life. That's my kind of bank, right there, man. I'm down so, with so, were you a security person hired to do that, or were you <laughs> That's how I got into security. I I went there. I left consulting world. I was in huge fine. I was an exchange guy, and I went decided to leave a corporate environment. The largest exchange deployment in the world and it, and it was horrible it was just bureaucracy and i ended up there and i ended up with 350 desktops 60 70 servers and me and it was way beyond and that's where i started dealing with um compliance i'd have auditors come in and you're just like you're just like well if we're going to do security let's do security right there's selfies being taken here so um no one's listening today. They're literally all staring <laughs> away, and I'm like, "This is awkward." I'm staring. At I'm sorry. I've heard the story. Sorry. I had but, but you know, I mean, it, it really was one of those you know, growing up understanding security. I, again, I went full time June second, two thousand seven, and I was telling some somebody else the story earlier. Was uh. When I first started, I thought tools would actually protect you. And 10 years on, right. tools are tools. You know, it's like building a house. Mm-hmm. You know, a, a, a really good <clears throat> hammer is going to help you. But if you don't have plans, if you don't have policies, and you don't have skilled labor, you don't have training, those tools are not worth anything. Unfortunately, people are walking around. Um, I don't build stuff, so I don't know good tools. Craftsmen? <laughs> A craftsman good tools? Whatever. <laughs> they have really good tools sitting around. Don't and they have people like me trying to build the houses. <laughs> so, yeah, with an Etch-a-Sketch architect. There goes that sponsorship too. <laughs> yeah, you're not getting tapping on your sponsorship. DeWalt has the cool colors, the, the yellow and the black. That's the only tool company I know. You know, it's funny about the tools because when I first got in InfoSec out, I had the perception if you go to these cool cons, 
that you get you walk away with all the magic tools to do all the the cool hacking. You could be Hollywood too. It's not the case. It wasn't the case. I was so disappointed. You do. <laughs> you get more disappointed coming to these cons sometimes. Right. You're just like, oh, should, this shouldn't you, be that easy. Have you noticed it's like therapy sometimes? Because because you know you talk to you, Tim, you go, well, these don't have good security. These don't have good security. But I've noticed a lot of times they have great security that are. It's an echo chamber. No one's listening to us, That's right? True, yeah. And so they come here. I was talking to some kid. This is first con, and we were eating at Kidova. And he's like, man, no one listens to me. No one does that. It's probably good being a consultant. I go, well, no, no one listens no, no to me. Really but I, I leave and I bill you. you know? <laughs> I mean, that's the only difference. No one listens. And then, and then you come back next year and find the same damn problem as the consultant. Yeah. It's like, dude, I told you to fix that. No, no, they don't. As a consultant, they do not listen. We used to go into a hospital, and they would just take our report, and they'd file it, and we're Read working on it. Find your land. And Could you'd, you go, back, you'd go back the next year, and you'd log in with that same blank password for so the single change, box. You just change the dates on the on the report, then. Yeah, yeah you just... You no, nobody would ever do that. That's an unethical. You, you, can, you, can, you can reuse the previous year's screenshots. It was that bad. Nobody's ever done we've that. Had, we've had no live clients... Tell Sean, you cannot use the same attacks you used last year because we haven't fixed them yet. <laughs> We're aware of them, but they're off limits. And, and Sean goes, oh, puts his head down. And we actually had a client do that later. And tool. then he realized another thing was on the table. Yeah. Pwned yeah. Them. No, it was, it was really funny. They were like, you can't touch. Um, you can't touch. Uh, Don't name the system. No. no what? You can't. You're not allowed to touch these kind of devices. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, but you. But um, and then I was like, okay, cool. You know. And then they're like, oh, but you can. I was like, I, I found one that I'm really interested in. And they're like, oh, yeah. Well, that's in, that's in scope. And I was like, what? It's like I, I've been working for like a week, and you guys just now put this back in scope for me. And like 15 minutes later, I had domain so, <laughs> it. Like, and he pulled out the cape, and there was a ceremony. They did a dance. Cut cake. It was great. Yeah. It was great. It was a good time. They had dancers. Yeah, one, one thing I'm starting to see, too, that's uh, pretty interesting around this kind of space about talking about finding vulnerabilities and them actually not patching. Like, how, how do we actually get people to patch? And it's going to be, let's let's go down the route of talking about DevOps and how that can actually help people do this kind of work, right? So it's, can we actually understand, can we architect what we need to have, like, replication or um, uh, high availability? Can we have... Um, uh, be able to if we do have a failure re- recreate our environments quickly and it, you know if not you know minutes but you know maybe an hour you know we could take that but that's still better than days for a lot of people for backups mm-hmm. um, can we uh, can we get to the can we get to the point where you know we're doing more distributed work so you could take things out of the cluster patch it and get it back in and mm-hmm. don't have to worry about you know it, oh it might be a little slow you might be you know you might not process many orders today whatever but it's still better than oh we don't process any orders right so so that brings up a good question and this is one for cliff tim and jimmy <laughs> your thoughts on a certain organization in redmond forcing patching <laughs> i mean you sat there and you just said right. devops well, should well said it right but so should help it's I, I i know from one side it's it's really nice it, it would be nice if it wasn't as invasive. 
Yeah, so yeah. the problem with that company doing that is anytime I want to go play a video game, I have to wait 20 minutes. You know, <laughs> I can't I can't just play a video game in my house anymore. I have to, you know. Have you noticed that reboot, the operating reboot, system reboot. will start to break until you reboot? Yeah. It, yeah, it just like, it may, it, it, they're like, break this. So like if, if, <laughs> if, they, if they could figure out a way to patch without having to have more constant reboots, like Linux, a lot of times you just have to restart services. Sometimes you have to reboot if it's a kernel level thing or something, right? Um, or varied system drivers, but a lot of times you can just restart the service and you got the new thing. And so I, I'd like to see if Microsoft could do that. It's actually get to the point where they're actually patching without having to really be that invasive and disrupt your workflow. Now, Jimmy did say Microsoft Bill will come after you. <laughs> they didn't know we were talking about them. I say, somebody, I'm like literally the door just opened and I'm like, ah, oh, we're already yeah. No, but you know that is a double-edged sword. I, I, working in organizations, or seeing organizations still running NT40 now. You know, under yeah. security systems, stuff like that. You know, what, what what concept of what if security became more, I don't know, I, 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 I want to use a certain word I'm not going to use, but where we force, you don't patch, it stops working. See, I, mean, I don't know. I mean, a critical patch. But that, if that happens with patches, something like if, right. if they can get patches to a point where it doesn't break stuff, but we've, I've seen it too many times where it breaks stuff. Right. So, and I, so I mean, I, I don't. I'm not saying. I just go. What? That's right. that, that's that's the what whole that opposite. Like? What would that look like? Right. So I think, uh, and in reading the DevOps stuff that I have, and in talking to some companies that have embraced the whole, we will not say no. Security is not the opposite of no. Let the user do what they need to do to get the job done because. We need to be providing the information for, and Chris Nickerson said this at B-Sides Kansas City, and I loved it. He said, we're advisors. We are not gatekeepers. We are the people who say, the business needs to do this. That's great. Let's not have this catastrophic failure problem. And if we focus on not being the gatekeeper, the control, but making sure that it's easier to do things in a way that won't result in equihacks, and all of this, you know, no admin admin, then, you know, we, we, I think we can do a lot better job if we up our communication skills and yeah, our absolutely. business savvy. And I say that as the most unbusiness savvy person, probably, well, no, Cliff's probably bad at it too. But, but yeah, business savvy type person. Uh, I think there's a lot that we can do with that, with getting out of our little echo chamber. Uh, we need to patch, we need to do this, we need to do the security, but we also need to make money so that people keep getting paid, so right. things get done, so we have innovation. And I think there's a lot of ways that we screw that up. And there's a lot of cool movements going on right now that are focused on the, okay, security is the advisor. Here's the risks. Let somebody else make that decision on whether or not that's worth it or not. So one of the customers I uh, deal with, he he's on another level when it comes to actually being a blue team. He's actually doing really well for blue team stuff. And so one of the things he's doing now is actually assigning values to assets and seeing like if something gets hacked, this is the like this could be the potential value. So it's not always the money we right so it's like if we don't like this one's like okay if that gets hacked that's a three hundred dollars. This one that's like twenty five thousand. This one, you know, if we get loose that's like that's 
company to launder money. Like, yeah. you know, so those are the guys to know where they are. Prioritize firewall around that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So being able to prioritize patching, you know, figuring out what needs to be hardened, that kind of stuff. And so it's, I was like, that's that seems like a pretty good idea. And that, you know, money speaks words to a lot of people. That, yeah. that, that's interesting. Like that, that's interesting because what's funny about that is is that is a great thing to do. That's CISSP day one. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right? I mean, yeah. but that's that's what's insane is we're sitting here talking about, you're going to go down and talk about, you know, the flip nut new way of de- defending whatever. That That's my new product. Um, flip nuts. But the simple, the simple <laughs> fact is if you don't know what you're guarding, how? I mean, and it is money. It really is money. And yet... We and what Ben said is right. Is I don't like the thing of we shouldn't be the company of no because I think there's a certain point where you have to say, listen, you really, really don't want to do this. However, we have to speak in someone else's language. We can't expect them to speak in our language. And businesses, organizations, governments run on money, and that's really it. It it helps, you know. Here's another observation. Give me any ridiculous set of circumstances. An embedded system running Windows NT 4.0 that can only be accessed through Telnet, does not speak SSH or any, you know, encrypted communications protocol. We can make that reasonably secure. If you give us time and money to build a perimeter defense around it, we can make that secure. So there are always, always workarounds and compensating controls to, again, use the corporate infosec term for any circumstance that we're handed. So, you know, we can't ever be the, we can't be the department of no, and we can't be the department who refuses to think of alternative ways to achieve the goal of reasonable security. Sure. I like it. Well said. Well said. <laughs> that was a great closing argument, except we're well, not a closing. Well, 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 then let's 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 bring that back of what you know. What can businesses do? Um, I have a good friend of mine that lives in Reykjavik, Iceland, and and he always wants to tell me. He goes, you know what? We have social security numbers, but guess what? Everybody knows everybody else's, and it doesn't matter. I mean, it is 2017. We're using social security numbers created in 1945. At what point do we evolve the data itself? Well, and everybody knows all of the American social security numbers too. The problem is we're still using them as identifiers and, for important yeah. things. Credit card numbers. It, yeah, and credit card numbers. Take, take all of it. You know, license keys. Whatever. It's more of we're, we're not. It's not using it as identifiers as much as we're using it as authenticators. Hmm. Yeah, I think that's kind of the problem, right? I mean, it's not a problem that they know who you are. It's just that they use that they use that number to authenticate that that's who you are. You know? yeah. 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 So how do you fix that? And that's yeah. that's what I've heard is like we need to fix it, but I haven't really heard a good solution. Education and communication. I I mean I mean here's here's like, go it's, back to what Cliff said. You have iPhones. Right, you have you you do have biometrics for a reason. Maybe it's not to guard, but maybe it's a good authenticator. And you know what? You do it in a way. Secondary. You do it in a way of here's validating instead of oh hey I'm grabbing my medication. Here's my birthday. Here's <laughs> you know here's a password, but then here's my fingerprint to deal with it. It's not your primary access control. It's an 
identifier instead. We had fingerprints rears back in the early 2000s. Fingerprint rears were showing up on every corporate computer. Smart cards were showing up on every, and they've gone away. Why? Those things are amazing. If we had chip readers in every computer, we could get rid of magnetic strip cards on every, uh, up for anything. We could get rid of credit card numbers because you would never need it. Why aren't we doing that? The technology's cheap. I'm going to assume well, that's my question. money relation. Yeah, where is that? Technology's cheap, but it, cheap for, you know, how many millions of people? Like, there's a there's a problem with scale, it seems like, that, you know, I, I know that, especially, and I'm not nearly as worldly traveled as you are, I know Europe has some controls that, that have gone more that direction, and that works when you're dealing with, you know, Europe. X. Europe went that way because in 2010, the first time I ever went to Europe, I got stranded in a German pub because I only had a credit card. Credit card's new there. We've had credit cards forever. Mm. Um, who all here has a phone? How many phones? We have, we have eight only people. Sitting on there's the eight the... people. There's like 13 phones. <laughs> someone, someone pick up one of these phones that does not have a fingerprint reader on it. One. <laughs> a scalability technology money problem? I mean, really, that that this is this to me seems like a simple, simple idea, but it just it's mind boggling. So I, I think I'm crazy. The fingerprint reader is going away in the next iPhone though. We're switching to face. Well, you know what? Because <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's way better to use. Well, they are getting rid of the fingerprint. No, no, no. I saw. So I saw one of the reasons why they got rid, rid of headphones, of didn't they? Yeah, they, got, no, they did that. Yeah. No. I, yes. I can only charge, or I mm, don't get me started. There's an easy, easy way to do it. it. Don't use Apple uh, products. <laughs> friends don't let friends Apple. <laughs> I honestly really want to find a way to turn this podcast into a reason to tell Dave to get Dave to tell his story about Steve Jobs ruining his weekend. But we're but not going to go there. That's a great. But that's no, a but whole no, podcast. Why? Okay. Why get rid of it? So I don't. I, I don't know. I'm with you. Why, why get rid of it? I think I have. So uh, not so much the get rid of it problem, but the reason why. Okay, it shouldn't be a cost issue. It shouldn't be a scalability issue. It shouldn't be all of these business reasons. And there's only one human nature reason that comes to mind on why this is still a problem. And it's apathy. People don't give a shit. Like, you know, we've had all these breaches. Like, 2015, 16, 17 have been god-awful for breaches. And everybody's stock went back up. Everybody still shops in the same stores. <clears throat> it's, it impacts it's people, but it doesn't impact people... To the point that they care, unless you're a derby con attendee who goes to all this stuff. You know, we give a damn about there this. would be a breach. Yeah. Kennedy, myself, Kevin Johnson, other people would be on the TV, right? Yeah. Equifax happened. I talked to my marketing person. They're like, yeah, no one really wants to talk about it. Nope, they're burned out. That's that's the, that's the that's the burnout. I think it's more of like a desensi- you know, desensitized, you know, world where you know things like this happen so often now. That, that people, it's not news anymore. So how do we change it? How do we change? People don't care anymore. Unless it it's costing money. It's costing money. So how do we change the data? How do we change the data where it, if you get it, it doesn't matter? I, I think that comes down to a communication problem. And luckily we have been, I've seen in the last six months even, there's been a big shift on, okay, the tools don't work. Nobody gives a damn about the news. How do we communicate and articulate what we are passionate about in a way that makes other people passionate about it? So I think there's a lot that can be done and hopefully will be done. But uh, see, I don't, I don't see everybody's going to 
be because I've talked to developers about. Uh, I'm like, like they're interested in security, like they're and they, I, they take my concepts and apply them, but they also are like, I, I, I prefer being a builder. I read their passion is building, not right. breaking. And, and so, so like, but that's what I'm saying. It's like I, I can't get every developer to be a security person necessarily. No. It, 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 I was just gonna say, Cliff on our way here was talking about, you know, talking to developers about security. He just did a, you know, two day class with some developers and well I mean there were there were certainly moments where first of all it was a good reminder for me because I've been in the security world full time for over 18 months now and it was a good reminder for me that most devs I mean Tim as I'm sure you experience every day most devs don't know the things that we do because that's not the soup they swim but there were definitely you know reactions that okay I'm not going to sleep tonight you know you know, the mind-blowing emoji or whatever you want. <laughs> I and love seeing those reactions in people's minds. So I, I think it's a mixed reaction, though. There are still certain the people, exactly like you said, who say, I'm a builder, not a breaker. Right. You know, some people, their world just changed when they get introduced to that. Some people, I think sometimes you do, maybe it's partly we speak to devs in terms of libraries and tools. They want to see an API. I don't yeah. know. Maybe that's a piece of it. I mean, some of it can be traced back to, like, can, can I just write a tool that eliminates this problem altogether? And a lot of the tools um, that come out, um, you know, devs are people and there's there's a lot that goes into building uh, any piece of software. And it's really easy to just forget some of these things, right? So it's easy to just have default creds on your uh, Redis or, you know, Hadoop cluster or whatever, like, or whatever, you know, whatever kind of database. It's really easy to forget that, oh, I should use parameterized SQL because, you know, maybe you haven't even been exposed to it. Um, so it's, if you can get to the point where these things either, uh, they just got to be easy enough to be able to start up, but also secure by default. Mm-hmm. And that would be something that would be grateful help, but secure by default, what does that mean? That's kind of a hard concept mm-hmm. as well. Considering so we can't all agree on what secure right. means. Right. Yeah, uh, yeah. What's a pen test again? Uh, what all is that involved? Yeah, we can't agree on any of these things, much less develop a standard about it. And it's, and I think that's another fundamental human nature type problem that, uh, you know, I'd love to find a way to solve, but short of lobotomizing certain people, I, I don't see that happening. And it's always someone else's problem. Like someone said about causing the vendors to be responsible. How many times do you go in and, and well, if they create it, why wouldn't it be secure? I mean, the first zero day myself and Ben found. <laughs> and we're not developers. We're both system administrators. Network, found admin. It Network was, admin. Okay. Yeah. Sorry, I was giving you more credit. <laughs> <laughs> it was Burp Suite. It was a client-side variable. And literally, it had one that said client ID. This was a cloud product. Infrastructure product, yeah, infrastructure. One service. that was well known at the time, and we went in and <laughs> we fraud. just said change our client ID from twenty to one, and guess what? We became the admin admins who had access to every other client. We go, we mentioned to our client. Our client. Now who's, their clients paying us money. money. To their, our clients was mad at us because now they can't sleep good. And the software developers go, well, you know what? I think they're overblowing the situation because this is built on Linux. It's secure. <laughs> and you just, and we, we, it was an interesting talk to say the least. 
but you sit there and and the the, the client did have a good point before we got in the shouting match. <laughs> he said, um, he said, I don't lose my temper, but Chronister is a German name. I'll just say that, right? I didn't take over Austria. Um, we we did. Yeah. He did go. Well, why would they develop this if it wasn't secure? And then you see that, you know, Equifax, you see all these, why aren't they dealing with it? But everybody's pointing to everybody else. When I was, when I worked for a software company, they go, well, we'll just put it out there. It's their responsibility to secure it. So I think responsibility is going to be part of it too. I see that in the dev world a lot. And it's in, in, and it's nothing saying that it's a bad thing about developers, but I used to work in a software company. It was, you know, the same guy that would tell us, for every vulnerability that goes out into the field, it cost us a million dollars, would be the same one going, for every day we don't get this through QA, right. it's going to cost us two million dollars. Get it out there, that will be our beta test. You know, right. and you're like, you're in this weird situation. And it's, I mean, it's hard to really know all the tools that you're working with. Like a lot of developers, a lot of times they're using tools they don't even know about. Like, right. uh, <laughs> if, if we want to talk about like how how people actually become developers, there's so many avenues. Right? There's 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 taking like to the traditional computer science degree and then actually going to software engineering, or you're taking something that says it's a computer science engineer or computer science degree and actually is software engineering, and then all you're really learning there is languages, and you're not really learning. Like how do you actually collaborate? How do you actually build? How do you actually like reason about your tools? How do you how do you look at these tools and think that hey, how could I use this maliciously? How could someone turn this against me? How how could I not even use it maliciously, but you know, um, you know, ignorantly and produce a problem? Um, and then we're so we're just combining all these things into one just big Frankenstein monster. And then not knowing that, oh, well, you do these kind of things together. Well, they're, they're, I, I thought this would have worked. I don't know. I, I don't know. I don't know any better. I'm on to the next project. I, you know, okay, it's, I, I did my thing. I put yep. it out there. I'm done with it. But that's an excellent point. They don't teach the security mindset in the coding classes. Yep. None of my courses, they really uh, emphasize so, security. So is that changing? Because I know they have InfoSec-related degrees coming out, but are the or is, is the security concepts getting into just the regular computer I, and programming? Concepts? I think one of the problems you run into, and if you're teaching, up, God, God go with you, um, uh, is there's such a shortage right now. Who's teaching? That's true. Yep. And, and I mean, I, I, I had a organiz I had a school <laughs> contact me. It was a professor that said I have been assigned to teach the InfoSec course. I'm a math teacher. This is a college. I'm a math teacher. What books do you recommend? Didn't they also? Ask I mean, you to write some I mean, I mean, that's that's the problem we run into, and and you know, secure coding and all these concepts. Let's face it. Security is not a one-on-one course. If no. I came in, I mean, learning good practices, validating your data, parameterizing a SQL. I just learned about that. So I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm acting like I'm in there. Look at me. He's, he's looking at stuff. And, and again, in all seriousness, I've been doing this every day for 10 years. And, and I'm listening to Cliff on a, on a conference call. And I'm like... Wow, that's really cool. I've I've seen it, never understood it. But when you're learning these concepts of development, how deep can you go? 
until you have experience in, in mastering the language. You don't get to you know, use the big words in English until you understand the basics, and that's part of the problem. Yeah. I agree. Yeah, and as, uh, as the adjunct professor in the room, uh, you know, I've got, I've got eight weeks, no, excuse me, 16 weeks to teach the entirety of the basics of computer forensics. Yeah, that's not an eight-week course. For, for, for clarification, he's the adjunct professor for Missouri Truck Driving Schools. So. Oh. <laughs> he teaches backing up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Holy. But no, and then, this sound. That means you're backing that, up. That, that term, or that uh, joke has been told. Uh, but no, it's, it's funny. You know, the students want more information, but then the students also just really want their GPA to be okay so they can get a job. Like, yeah. they'll learn it. They're curious. People want to know, but they only want to know enough to get by, and that well, really the, doesn't cut the it. Security grade. Yeah. Well, and the problem is that that shouldn't be enough to quote unquote get by. And the people who decide what is or is not getting by are the people we need to get on our side. Well, and 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 you know when you start talking about school, there is a problem, right? <laughs> so you have how long does it take for courseware to get through? How long does it take for courseware to write? I mean, what was it, a couple years ago? When was it that um, uh, 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 bombshell, not bombshell. Uh, no, that's the bar we go to. The, uh, the Linux Zero Day that came out during DerbyCon. Oh, uh, Shell Shellshock. Shellshock, yeah. Shellshock came out, and within hours, people were down there writing exploit. Yep. You really think that going through a four-year course on something that was written five years ago. I mean, basics are great, but man, you're gonna still be starting from zero, and that's just... And you're starting from zero every week because we find something new to break. And, and I just, it's, it, it's frustrating. I don't know, I don't know, I've, I've been doing this long enough, I don't know if we can, quote, win more than just stay afloat. And that's a scary proposition, and is that just the way it's gonna always be? Yeah, because the, the things that you like you talked about how you you gotta learn you know, the basics before you can actually learn the advanced stuff and security is semi advanced in the t in terms of just being able to reason about your, your code base or being able to do any type of coding. Like you talk about building an application, well what does this all need? It needs usually it'll need some type of database, it'll need some type of uh, web server, it'll need some type of like what is it gonna sit on? What OS is it gonna actually sit on? Like what's um, what, what languages are you writing it in? So like now you got to incorporate like all these different tools. That's that's already a lot to take in. That's just like a basic app, right? That's that's like crazy yes. workflows or anything, um, or worker queues or any any type of messaging. We're gonna go into now. We're gonna say okay. Now you got to look at this database. How do you actually protect this database? How do you protect this web server? This web server is gonna be the one that's probably internet facing. So. Oh, what's a WAF? You know, a web application firewall. What is that? I don't know. I've never even heard of that till today, right? Or something like that. That's people don't even know that those things exist for reasons. Um, or trying to. So now we've got to talk about. Okay, do you actually understand how to build the thing? Now, do you understand how to build it so it does the thing correct and doesn't do bad things? And that that correctness right there is that's an important distinction because how do I choose and deploy and configure a WAF? How do I design my network with security in mind? Those are truly 500 level advanced topics. But that observation you just made that correctness means doing what was intended and not things that were unintended. That I think needs to be introduced at the 100 level in, for example, the book Python the Hard Way, because all over 
you know, when you put HTML into a browser, you are not showing data to the user, you are typing instructions. And having people who are learning remember that from day one is a cultural shift I want to see in the way that we train up programmers. Because so many of us learn as hobbyists. You know, I, I learned from my dad teaching me TI Basic on a TI 994A and sitting at home in junior high Googling how do I make a web page. You know, I mean, that's how I learned. I think that's how a lot of people learn. And that there are a lot of cultural shifts that need to happen where those concepts are introduced to the neophyte larva programmers. Well, don't you think that stuff like, you know, I, I learned Pascal, so I'll give you how old longer that was. <laughs> but like learning guitar, you know, learn, teaching myself, I learned bad habits. And what you're basically saying is we need to introduce good habits yes. there. And, and at the beginning, and, and that, that I see a lot of that with some of these gamification that we're that they're doing you know I play those things I'm, I'm, I'm just can't get programming down it's just something just not good at but man you learn how to do it right was it code combat some of these other ones out there and they are I I believe they're teaching them how to do it a right way rather than kids just sitting there out of a programming book not understanding why it's working yeah yeah I think that's actually a good point. We have one thing to to start wrapping up on because I want to give everybody an opportunity to plug whatever you guys want. Um, but we did have, and I don't know if everybody knows this, I have a book to give away, which is, have you guys read the POC GTFO? Yes, it's a great book. Yeah, so we were at DEF CON um, and we did another one of these and it was complete and utter crap. And I felt so bad that I, I said we should put up a uh, do. A, I had the guys that did the podcast with go get me one of the books. It's signed by the author of the book, and then we ruined that by going ahead and signing it ourselves and putting our own little message in there. So I have one of those to give away, and we had bought like thirteen submissions from people. So what they had to do was list, make it all the way through, and at the end, I said, "If you made it through." send hashtag bird feeder to me on Twitter and 13 people actually did which means they actually finished the podcast because it wasn't like right at the end it wasn't announced at the beginning so people actually made it through so we're going to do that now Um, so we have an odd odd number so it's perfect I want everybody between one and three to hold up a number alright we have two and one so we got to do it again so just two and one Everyone just hold up a one or a two. Two. Looks like the one's got it. Okay. So now I've got, let's see, I've got three other people. Um, so one through three again. This is great for podcasts, but three, one. <laughs> this is, okay. So now I got to find the person. So we have, we, none of us have actually put our hands up. Tim's just picking, <laughs> Tim is picking his friend. So if you did this, he can. If you win it, he considers you his best friend. Right. Yep. So it looks like, <laughs> and I'm actually message this person because I'm hoping that he's at DerbyCon so I can just give it to him instead of having to actually ship it to him. But uh, it looks like Flight Deck or Flight DEC UK. Uh, I bet you he's in the UK, so now you have to do airmail to fly. He is. He's in whole England. <laughs> Son of a bitch. I'm going to Spain. I'll throw it. <laughs> Drop it out of the plane. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, yeah, thanks everybody congratulations. For, for helping me with that. Um, oh, I missed the exit. Sorry. No, 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 no we're not done. We're still recording. Oh, shit. Oh, okay. oh, shit. Just to give away. Uh, 
I was giving away my. Uh, um, oh yeah, your the, the awesomeness. POC, yep, GTFO. Yeah. So. Um, those are those are highly sought after. If you you know whoever the winner is, I, I hope they do a lot of research. And it's on very it. unique in that our my other three previous co-hosts signed it, so yes. it probably reduced the value of it. But, but you know, yeah. hey, but it's still it's a it's a it's an even more unique <laughs> POC you know GTF. Oh, so okay, so what do you guys want to plug? Things you like? I don't know. So and, and this is one of the things I like about doing this podcast because I've gotten this feedback and I want to share it with you guys because. Um, I think it's good for people to understand why why I continue to do this. This was a lot of Dave's idea and kind of pushed me to do this. Um, I've got some really good feedback from people saying that what they love is that it's a bunch of security professionals just sitting around doing real talk. This one went kind of deep, and <laughs> that we covered some pretty high it's level fault. high level topics that that uh, that really got it. So it's because we hadn't been drinking yet. Well, that too. Ah, that was the problem. Probably, I knew we were missing something. We need to do a part two. Part two right? will yeah. be part a two a.m. Podcast. Yeah, yes. do it around too. You know, it'll give you a lot of talking about Monty really Python and South Park in that one. <laughs> <laughs> that one would never get released. Um, oh, come on. Yeah. I don't know. We'll see. Uh, at this point. So, what do you guys want to plug? So, uh, some plugging that I want to do that's been really good for my local blue team type people is uh, the book that Amanda Berlin and Lee Brotherson did. Who big league dust, by the way, on this. Say what? Right, we invited her and she big leaked us. Uh, yeah. Well, you know, busy bu- celebrities are busy. Uh, so that book has been amazing uh, for my blue teamers. It really gave them a lot of, oh, I can do this, uh, which was awesome. I think that really empowered them to go, okay, security is weird, and you know, because they learned security things from me, and then uh, they learned, okay, it's not all that weird we can do this and it gave them a lot of confidence to make changes like i i had another guy that's not even you know not hacker not any of that he's like this llmnr thing that's what a lot of people use to get credentials apparently we're not using that can we turn that off i'm like dear god yes we can turn it off i've been trying to turn it off for a year and a half he's like okay i just turned it off like awesome thank you you now solve this major problem I'm pro App Sensor. App Sensor is an OWASP project that's been around for years, but I've only been reading about it recently. Um, it's really expanded the way I think about defending an application. It's it has sensor points where you detect events that are suspicious. It has responses, and it it builds in an analysis engine that lets you configure when a quote unquote attack, a bad actor, is identified. And it it it's both a, a specification and a reference implementation. I, I'm wanting to plug the specification because it will it will help you think about AppSec and about defense in a, a more expanded way. Again, with the really deep. I reckon I'll plug uh, B-Sides Hunt School is going to be February the 2nd and 3rd. Nice. Training on the 2nd, cons on the 3rd. Oh, really? Uh, what's and, the training uh, looking like? What's that? What's the training looking like? Well, I know one course I'm going to teach you one day, crash course on... Uh, Hacking routers and switches. Oh my God, I'm in. Uh, and but it handed the conference over to North Alabama ISSA to uh, run, but uh, I'm still helping and just want to give them a plug. Cool. For, you know, yeah, Huntsville's great. Yeah, it's a good con. Yeah. I feel really bad plugging my own thing. I, I feel like I should plug yogurt or something. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yogurt is also but, good, but I will. Not as good as I'll plug a show me con. Will be in our some some something year. I think fifth. Fifth. fifth year uh it's june 7th and 8th uh you'll have a few of the speakers that are sitting here um 
being St. Louis, we were in kind of a little historic area. Lewis and Clark took off from there. Daniel Boone hung out there at San Casino. And uh, and and you get to meet Mr. DeBlock. So, I mean, what else? Yeah, what else can you ask That's for? the biggest club there is. And it's an awesome con name. It, it show me con. That is an awesome show. Actually, the name is yeah. Adrian Crenshaw and Paul Coggin here at DerbyCon. Derby so, um, yeah. So there you go. Otherwise, you would have had to go to Exploit Con, and we all knew that was a bad idea. We, to, <laughs> we didn't have any better ideas yeah. until, uh, until Coggin and Adrian. We already us. plugged the. He already plugged the Show Me Con. I'm gonna actually. I'm gonna give a shout out to uh, to everybody who listens to the podcast who joined the uh, uh, Discord channel, and uh, we get to play regularly. We get to play some PUBG, and you know, I know you guys play Overwatch, but uh, I don't play Overwatch, but I like PUBG. So shout out to all you guys. Gamersack. Yep. Gamersack. Yep. Just hit me up on Twitter or at Timothy. You guys should be doing your Twitter handles too. So. Now, really, Dave doesn't have any. I'm Bag of Mojo. Follow me. I do five tweets a decade. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Sean Peterson, and then I'm the Rapture on the Discord. So if you guys yeah. want to reach out to me at any time. Do you have any plugs? Yeah, I'm, I'm going to plug my company just because I like, like binary defense a lot. Um, so I work on a product called Vision. And it's a EDR tool, uh, endpoint detection response, and it's pretty good around detecting um, different different vectors that a pen tester or other hackers will try to get into your network. So, uh, if you want to check that out, you know, go to binarydefense.com. There's pages about Vision on there somewhere. Cool. Twitter handles. Oh, Twitter handles. So I'm Securithid, and it's about my my feed is about. Half retweets of better people's thoughts and half questions to uh, wizards underscore D&D about gaming things that I'm running issues. So if you like the D&D and the gaming, it's eh, it's still not really worth following. <laughs> okay. <laughs> My handle is Bismuth Salamander, the element and the animal. But on Twitter, it's shortened B-I-S-M-T-H-S-A-L-A-M-A-N-D-R. <laughs> That's what we call This will need to be show notes. This is all going to show Yeah, I was going to say, this, this will need to be spelled out for everybody. Secure yeah. it probably also needs to be. No wonder I couldn't find it when I was trying to find it. <laughs> no, Elizabeth yeah. Salander. If he, if he from... hadn't reached out to me, I never would have. <laughs> I was just trying to tag him in a tweet. I'm like, shit, I don't even know what it is. You guys sit next to each other. Let's shorten shit up that screwed me up. I was trying to find it. I'm like, man, I'm spelling it all out. I can't find them. Anyway. I'm just uh, at Paul Coggin, real easy to find. I, I like I said, ba- bag of mojo, but get me on Reddit. Yeah. Did you, did I'm, you I'm, right? Yeah, Sean the Peterson. Sean the Peterson. Yeah, Sean the Peterson. And then I'm Jimmy underscore Bird, B Y R D. Yeah. You're the second Jimmy Bird I know. Oh, really? I realize that. Yeah. Interesting. So you should have the real Jimmy Bird. <laughs> <laughs> the real Jimmy Bird. Yeah, the real Dave. Is there an emoji or something that looks like the blue check mark so I can be verified? <laughs> actually, actually, I'm pretty sure there is. I saw something about that the other day. And, and hey, Tim, thanks for having us on. Yes. yes. Thank you so much. Thank you very much. I wasn't invited. Awesome. I just showed up. But thank you. <laughs> you knew you were mentally invited. Uh, I always love the golden child. Yeah, y'all stand by for the 2 a.m. podcast. Yes. <laughs> or we can just all play D&D. I think I have extra dice. That will do it. Hopefully you learned something. Feedback is welcome at timothy.dblock at gmail.com or on Twitter at timothydblock. Show notes can be found at timothydblock.com forward slash E-I-S- 
If you enjoyed the show, share it with others and rate it on iTunes. Have a good one.